Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, we bring you the Dewing Grain market report, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's market report. Welcome to the market report. What follows is my thoughts or gut instincts of what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decisions to trade is yours. Market report, week commencing 18th of November 2019. An exciting week, a very exciting week. The price of feed week got to 140 X farm for movement spot, which is just great. Lots of farmers have let some grain go at that price because it is a £20 rally. Um, that we've seen and yeah it's great it, it's there's there is the odd boat going out um, as as one of the, uh, the the shipping companies or one of the trading companies I should say has switched their book around within Europe and uh, sold the French back and bought UK instead some of our futures wheat is leaving the stores uh, and we're helping load their boats so um, yeah all is all is good really it's nice to see some wheat changing hands and certainly the market feels pretty firm on wheat at this point. So there is increased uh, interest with boats going out. Farmers are in a kind of stuck mode at the moment with um, terrible weather and a, and a, and a kind of melancholia diptros to bodies, as I call it. Um, they're stuck there with this this mindset of not really moving forward. And, and the odd field is getting planted on new crop. And old crop, I don't know if they really know what they want to sell it for. Certainly a round price of 140 has been uh, enough magic. What happens next? I don't know. Is it got to be 145x for Jan? Which it isn't at the moment, but it has, is that where it has to go? Or does it have to be 150? If, if it's simple, I, I can answer that question right now. I, I think... If it does get up into the 150s, let's all keep our heads screwed on. Old crop is in surplus, and we we haven't got lots of boats on the go to, to clear the surplus. So I think we must be grateful with a big crop that occurred from Harvest 19 that perhaps if you haven't sold everything or you've got a large lump to sell, you ought to be doing a little bit more as it creeps up in that direction. So... To put prices on wheat for old crop at the moment, I would say spot 140, January 142, May 148, so getting close to 150. And if you're looking at new crop, obviously the troubles that we've had with planting in East Anglia, we've we've done better than the rest. I mean, some of the pictures coming out of Lincolnshire and South Yorkshire are appalling. Some of the fields, you know, in low-lying areas are under five or six feet of water and it's it's going to do immense damage and and my our sympathies go out to the people in that situation it's it's terrible um that has an impact on new crop production but as we've said before i think farmers will continue to plant as the as the winter goes on a frost or even into the spring the seed has been bought the price is reasonably high and i think people will go for it so we must again keep our heads screwed on with that one at the moment i can't see the market dripping down too quickly although there is a bit of a dry window hopefully coming up in the next fortnight so nov x farm 152 so if you just consider the the price i gave for may at 148 and the new crop price of 152 for nov 
there's a £4 carry or improvement in price in that period, that's not enough money for it to happen. So let's remember that. It's got to go out more than that for the surplus to be carried into next year. And we believe there will be a large surplus carried from one year to the next. So if you want to have a home bet uh, in terms of trading, you need to buy new crop and sell old crop because the two will pull apart and you'll be trading the spread. Okay? So moving on to oilseed rape, although Matty futures are remaining firm, and although in the background palm oil has gone up 6% since the end of October, uh, there's, a, there's a big rise in that. Maybe they're running out of rainforest to plant palm oil in. But that in the background going up has got to help oils across the board. However, the um, the currency movement the other day, as Mr. Mr. Farage suggested he was going to help Boris with his uh, with his with where he placed his... Uh, potential MPs. That gave the pound a bit of a surge. The expectation of a, of a Conservative government helped the pound so that the actual value in the UK dropped off a diddy bit. We still hold our stance on that, that the market remains firm. 320x is the price, so it's not, not lost much, but um, it is a currency issue that, that changed the price. Feed barley, finally, 122x spot. That's going to stay firm as wheat stays firm. It is incredibly cheap against the wheat price. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 there's not that much feed barley out there being traded at the moment, but you're not going to lose a lot by hanging on. You're not going to gain a lot by uh, by not by not selling it, I don't think. it's You know, there's, there's three or four pounds in it. It just depends on your cash flow and your storage. And if it's there, tucked up nice and safe and warm, maybe hold it for a while and aim, aim at, I don't know, what is the golden price, 25, 30? You might as well aim and... Um, if it fails, I don't think you'll sell it for much less than what I'm, I'm bidding today. So with that in mind, uh, that's that's the week that was. Hopefully this coming week is going to be two days of dry. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. Hey, this is an advertising space. Reach hundreds of leaders of agriculture, mostly in Norfolk, by advertising here. It's surprisingly good value. If you're interested in finding out how much, email us hello at tinshedproductions.co.uk. Much, much cheaper than any local newspapers and straight into the ears of your potential customers. Right, today I've got Josh with me. So father and son having a chew of the cud. (laughs) Good morning. Yeah, morning, Josh. I mean, yes. we would. Our man Webster is uh, is out. He's actually being attacked as we speak by um, by incredibly dangerous flying feathered creatures. He does only shoot in defence, though, Webby. Yeah, I, I I see him in great danger, and I think I'm glad he's fully armed. I have asked him before what the, his favourite rare bird he's ever shot, just to get a reaction out of people in the office, and <laughs> <laughs> he never seems to. Say I think he said he's only missed it, he only missed a kestrel just. Just for those who actually do believe what we talk about, sometimes we do joke. And uh, he doesn't. He didn't really. Obviously, he would never do anything like that. But well, he'd, he'd only do it because he actually, when he aims at things, he doesn't hit them. So he'd be aiming at something else and hit that. By and him. he refuses to wear his glasses. He refuses. Oh yeah, he is a bit vain about that. Isn't he? Yeah, he is. I don't know why. No, neither do I. <laughs> He's let everything else go. So he must have let that go. <laughs> He still thinks he looks like Gerard Butler. <laughs> he does. Have yeah. you heard that recently? <laughs> well, there's a, there's a Gerard Butler's looking very trim at the moment. Ian still likes to pick up the the old fat Gerard Butler. <laughs> like, Whatever you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, and that's enough slaughtering of Ian. 
Um, right, the, 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 we're gonna we're gonna just kind of chew the cud of the last month, and and the the first and biggest topic has got to be uh, the weather we've had this autumn. Yeah, dreadful. Um, I mean, it was so dry, and uh, and then it's just hasn't stopped raining since what the end of September. Well, I mean, first stop, should we blame the agronomist for saying, hang on, you won't spray as much? (laughs) Uh, I think you could blame the agronomist, uh, definitely. And the fact they lost Redigo to Tail was a big thing, because no one wanted to drill early, did they? No, but are they going to duck the the blame and say, well, it's not our fault it rained that much? There's one or two people who ignore their agronomist and planted, and they're kind of feeling vaguely smug now and i think i yeah i'd be happy if i had avoided it but they haven't and you probably they should take some blame i think yeah but no doubt they'll blame the weather well i think all of us have seen three or four dry autumns on the trot and therefore it becomes like ah that'll get dry we'll we'll get around to it well i've been here for seven years now or six years i can't remember and i've never seen a a wet autumn really it's always been perfect well what people would consider pretty much perfect and still planting wheat comfortably into the middle end of November into good seed beds and this year is the the opposite of that isn't it yeah I mean I, I appreciate as you know you, you you've heard me run on with my stories of the past too many times anyway but as an old codger the only uh, the only benefit of oldness is wiseness and I have seen terrible wet autumns where it just keeps drudging on forever um and I've said so many times in the last two weeks to lots of people that wheat will still get planted. Yeah, I'm sure it will do. But uh, the other thing that we must consider is the fact that even if it's the same, the the quality of what the seed's gone into, the ground, that everything is just going to be crap. And and what they have planted, they can't even get on with a spray anyway because it's too wet to travel. Yeah, well, so I think yields are going to be pretty bad, actually. Yeah, I mean, so, so it then gets down to the, the size of the crop, and we touched on this last week, but, you know, I, I think we will still see a 13 million tonne crop there or thereabouts within the spit, which is not enough. But if you then carry over old crop, which I believe will happen as well, we will kind of just about have enough. Um, but it doesn't... It, it means that prices won't go down that much on new crop, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I mean, I've, we've, I've had three farmers that I've spoken to this week that said they're going to carry from one year over to the next. Yeah, it's not enough money yet, is it? Well, I, was I, on I don't think it is. I think if they counted in all the factors, they probably wouldn't do it. But at the moment, they seem fairly set on holding it through to next November, <coughs> which, you know, if that's what I want to do, fine. But that's just an example of three people, which they normally never carry anything over from one year to another. A lot of people say they're going to carry it, but they, when it actually comes down to empty the shed... ACCS inspection, um, and they have the. It's easy to have the shed cleaned out and have no evidence of mouse droppings or whatever. You know, just get the job done tidy. If it's only a four pound difference between, well, actually between like June, July, it's going to be probably about the same price as a November X farm at the current spread. So I would, I the, uh, that market has to go out in order for people to genuinely carry it. We will not carry it from one year to the next at these current prices. It's got to go. It's got to cover the cost of the storage or the the, the opportunity to buy cheaper wheat at harvest. Yeah, and I can t- totally see that. But the thing that's interesting, it's in their minds. So if they do it or if they don't do it, they're actually thinking about it, which for me isn't very common. No, I, <clears throat> no, true. And and again, I think uh, having experienced it, I, a lot of people say, "Oh, I'm going to do this," and and they, and they actually, you know, they, it's a kind of threat to the grain trade. I'm not going to sell it to you. Um, it's a wise decision, but it's not right yet. And, and with that in mind, I mean, we, we, you know, we'll be planning how and what to do with our grain stores for next year. At this point, with the production figure as small as it is, 
we, we're in trouble, aren't we? We aren't, we aren't going to be able to fill our stores. No, we're not. And I think as well, there'll be areas of, you know, eastern England where lighter lands, people have been able to get on more that's probably going to be fought over. The harvest discount might be less because you've got probably bigger grain merchants in other areas of the country where they're not going to plant as much wheat that they really could be quite competitive. That's another well, thing to think yeah, about. Yeah, without a doubt, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the key thing is we are more expensive on new crop than French. So yeah, we, won't, yeah, we won't be exporting it. So there won't be boats piling out of the country for sure. It won't matter next year. And ironically, we still have probably, it looks like, a period where we're trading tariff-free up to December 2020. So we can't say Brexit's going to ruin it now because we're, in a, we're basically in, in a import... Uh, scenario so it's a great shame it's not a big surplus year for the last year um, but anyway the, it, it export will not be on the table for for next season no definitely interesting we've had quite a busy two months of doing export at the moment so yeah I think Andy will be pleased there's no boats going out next year so as far as um the, I mean the knock-on effect of that is your your trading book in our in our company yeah, well, we you know we don't we don't major on seed at all. But um, a year ago, I think we'd sold forty tons or something by this point period because autumn was good of, um, of spring barley. Of, sorry, of spring barley. Well, of spring crops. Yeah. Um, this year we've traded two hundred tons and predominantly spring barley, but quite a bit of spring wheat. Um, we actually sold our spring wheat. At a reasonable margin, but I think now it's gone up to six hundred pounds a ton. Is, is really? what I'm being told, which is, you know, is, is unbelievable. It might even be more. And I think that all the spring wheat that's now being sold is coming in from France and or Germany. Okay, and as far as spring barley is concerned, at the moment we we had a good stock of it, didn't we? So we're going to work through that. Fortunately, yeah, it's going to become tight, isn't it? I think so. I mean, luckily for us that those spring barley yields were amazing last year. And we, uh, we've also picked the right varieties, rightly or wrongly. But uh, So I think that it is going to get tight at some point, yeah, most, just, most certainly. Just for, just for the plug opportunities, it's, it's our podcast, isn't it? So Diablo, and we still have a, a key market with Concerto, and it's a very popular variety because it performs. Laureat yielded really well. But it's got it's got some issues with its ripening and with some of the yeah. The, I mean, supposedly growth. the skin is too thin, so I've heard that it then doesn't withstand the weather as much. I mean, whether that's true or not, I don't know. No, it, it certainly it. hasn't. It's, it's had greater germination issues than the other two. So certainly, and I think that people there's a, one or two people that are concerned about Diablo for not being approved for for brewing. But everyone in all the molsters are confident that it will make brewing. In May, so for harvest there will be a market. But either way, there's certainly a market for our own distilling, which is our key. We had, we had some. I mean, the, the 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 bin of Diablo we have is exceptionally good quality, isn't it? Really big, bold stuff, and it was very. I like Diablo. I, I really hope it passes that test and becomes the main one. Well, we uh, I had to send some seed samples off yesterday, and I done a spec weight on it, and it was seventy point five or something. Really? Yeah, and it's you know. You know Okay, it was exceptional last year, but still, it really does look amazing, I must say. Is our seed like that as well? Well, that is our seed, so yeah. Whoa, you heard it here. Hopefully, yeah. It's by doing grain Diablo seed, everybody. Best stuff ever. Plug, plug. Yeah, so so the dynamic of seed, the other thing is is getting it processed and through, isn't it? We want to get it out on farms, you know, and that, that people hang on and want to pay for it as late as they possibly can. But in the end... The late orders, the guy who phoned up and said, oh, I need a tonne and a half tomorrow, 
there's only so many loads we can do on our truck, isn't there? In a, in a, so get those orders in early as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think people have been quite proactive on it this year for obvious reasons. But yeah, we're, we're going to be processing it pre-Christmas. So we're ready to get out in January. And even if you get it on farm, we'll, you know, change the payment dates mildly if we have mm. to. So, I mean... Let's, let's move a little bit on to, uh, you know, the, the, the flooding in other regions in the country. I mean, I, I mean, we've been watching the television. We've seen Boris getting a hammering by, by people in South Yorkshire for, for, you know, turning up and looking at the floods and getting in the way a little bit. Um, I mean, those farmers have got not just the next three weeks as the water hopefully disappears. They've got the next three months as the, 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 the ground has been completely saturated. Everything in the ground is going to be dead start again isn't it it is i mean yeah i think if you drilled it well if you haven't drilled it you're probably better off because if you drilled it at least you've probably wasted money on you know your tractor you know everything really so farmers are as a rule pretty unhappy for how do how do farmers get the 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 public sympathy on that because if they just talk about money all the time it's a problem isn't it but how this is a really terrible situation it has a genuine effect on their livelihoods they're the people who've been saving the villages by sending tractors in and they've been the supply line so that so everyone's really grateful for that but how does the farmer actually make i suppose government realize that they they are so vital to rural communities that that they can't just be picked up when there's a snowdrift or a flood and then abused when there's a when there's when their land is completely decimated well i, I think sadly They've had quite a bashing recently, farmers, on Yeah, it's gone too things. far. I don't mind a spot of farmer bashing. No, but I think... Some of them deserve it occasionally, but it has gone too far, hasn't it? It has. I think there's the, the general feeling towards that. People like that have changed. They just think that farming's bad for the environment, full stop, because that's all they're focused on. They're focused on all the good things that actually happen. But in, in the Netherlands, they didn't they protest by slowing down at a major motor. Oh, yeah, they all drove into, into Rotterdam with their tractors and completely stuffed the, stu- stuffed the city. I mean, how, how, far are we, how far are we from that? Could that? Would that? I've never seen it happen, but... No, the, U, the UK, I think we had the Countryside March in the 1980s, and that was great, and, and there was, you know, um, Tommy Mutimer, famously with, with some other pig producers, went down to um, Parliament Square with a crate banned in the UK, allowed on the continent, and... and the, basically highlighting the point that we had a set of standards that they couldn't utilise, which which saved the number of piglets by not having the sow lie on them by these crates. And at the same time, the pig meat from the continent was allowed to be sold here, and they were still using crates within the EU. And and so you, it was direct action, actually, that, that, that did square that up. But it took ages. It really did take time. So uh, direct action, like Extinction Rebellion... Yeah does focus the mind and I, I, I we're not there yet because we haven't actually experienced the dynamic of post-Brexit agriculture and the, the, the policy of the government is based on just getting in and tell as many stories <laughs> as you can. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, farmers generally aren't that articulate on, on camera, if you like. There was, there was a guy on, on TV last night, I think it was, um, the ITV, and, and he was... He was an, uh, talking about um, the usual question, there he is with some cows in the background, and the, and the reporter said, "Oh, you know, what are you going to do? This this terrible, you know, cat cows are getting all this blame. What do you think about it?" And this young lad um, made the point very, very succinctly. He just said, 
they focus entirely upon the carbon emissions. They completely ignore and never discuss the carbon sink that grasps. We've had this on several occasions on, on our podcast. The dynamic of, you know, 70% of the, of the crop in the UK is grass and it absorbs carbon. And, if, and, you know, that land, if you didn't have cows grazing marshes, for example... Oh, let's rewild it. Okay, where where are the where are the various um, habitats for the birds that need that grassland? Oh, you you, you better do that artificially with a tractor. Well, hang on a minute. That's to def- define the whole logic of what you're saying. The only way to maintain those marshes is to have something grazing it, and the only thing to graze it is is cows. Yeah, I know. I saw that as well. That was uh, James Runciman. Yeah, it? yeah. I thought really he was. He, he 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 had some very good points that he brought across really well, I thought. He didn't run on, he just went straight, and he, and he yeah. really made that point beautifully. I well, think this was is off the back of uh, UEA, which is obviously Norwich University, have banned beef in the student union bar. That's what, that's what brought the discussion up. And the fact that they probably have avocados and soya and yeah. all the things that, that aren't exactly grown in this country, the food miles and... The amount of water it's taken to have these things is really kind yeah, of—it's easy, easy target stuff. Isn't it? I mean, we keep, we keep, we keep. I mean, I, I keep returning to this. So farmers, <laughs> farmers will eventually get to a point where they are abused enough to drive down to London and completely and utterly all get congestion charge. And well, I tell you what, we, I think most people probably wouldn't even Take see it coming. Up. But being involved in the farming community, I'd understand why that would happen. Totally. Do but. tractors have? Would they have congestion charge in London? Ah. They wouldn't. Wrong. It's diesel. Well, yeah, I, would do. I, yeah, of course it would. Yeah. I drove. I've got. We've got. I got a truck that I drove through somewhere. I think it's like a tunnel I wasn't allowed to, and got like a hundred and fifty quid fine because it's a commercial vehicle. On a Saturday, that really annoyed me because no real signage. So a tractor, I assume, would be something similar. Oh yeah. I would get. I mean, I well, that would uh, cheer the government up if they God, all drove their tractors through Blackwall Tunnel. <laughs> Blimey, yeah, yeah, of course it's the seed truck. Glad you're delivering seed on a Saturday, Josh. Yes, exactly, yeah. Seamlessly, I think it's time for us to slip into uh, slip into having a beer. So, Josh, what have we got? So, the beer we've got today is Branch Line Bitter by Humpty Dumpty Brewery, which is local to us, Reedham, which is not too far away. It looks interesting. So, Josh, you open it. I, you're fulfilling the role of Webby here. He's rubbish at pouring it at the moment. He's, he's got a bit of a handshake uh, sort of period. Ah, uh, do you know what? It's just nice to see someone who knows how to pour a beer properly. <laughs> Glad I taught you something. Exactly. Thank you. If anything. <laughs> that, right, this is a, a amber-coloured beer, and it looks a little hazy to me. <laughs> Very hazy. Is it supposed to be hazy? Does it say naturally hazy on it? Full of yeast? Ooh. Yeah, it does. It's oh, containing live le- live yeast. Live yeast, so therefore we should be a bit thinner by the end of the night then. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know yeah, that's uh, not yeah, You know, it looks nice and it smells nice. Yeah, it's, um Tastes like homebrew. <laughs> it does. I think it's, it's nice. Um, I always think beer, like, ale from a glut and from a bottle is okay. Yeah, it's got, well, the reality is I think that's... I'd a, give it a five. That's Yeah, I think it's about there. I mean, I'd, it, I would... Uh, I drink that in the middle of the afternoon on a on a warmish day, cold. But, but I'd yeah, I'd probably look around the the bar and see if there's some others. It's o- it's okay, but not yeah. One one beer's enough. Yeah, 
Yeah. Anyway, your, your mate's doing Oktoberfest at the moment. <laughs> yeah, they've... Uh, it's November, they've, by the way. Yeah, it's, no, I know it's... Uh, yeah, it is November. He's doing October... Uh, sorry, it's an Oktoberfest-style thing in... This weekend, actually, he's running an event, and in, it'll be quite funny because... In... Goulston. Oh, that's a popular place to I go. I know, yeah. Well, I... They're a funny bunch down there. Well, that's the thing. The 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 thing I can't quite get. I got his reasoning for it because it's something where a place where nothing really happens, so you're very likely to sell tickets because there's not a lot of competition for anything else. I, I used I used to play in the Yarmouth and District Sunday Sunday Football League, and uh, they're called Yarkos. Yes, and well, and they are a very strange, aggressive bunch. I'll add. I think well, there, there's because obviously the age of social media. They've been advertising on social media, and they've they've come across this guy called um, he calls himself Mad Prince. Okay. Please don't try and find him on Facebook. <laughs> but anyway, he's there, and his profile picture is him with his shirt off, can of uh, can of carling. You know, you can imagine mm. he looks like a character, and he's been threatening to um, punch all the bouncers if if they haven't got more than two beers on. So. I think that's the sort of people that uh, we're probably going to get, or he's going to get. Well, I, was, I remember driving down through uh, with Lily, and we went into Yarmouth uh, last summer, and we were in the. I said, "Come, come down towards the docks, the, the sort of back streets." I said, "You get the front, which is very, you know, like Blackpool. You got the docks, which is alongside the river, because Yarmouth is on a shingle spit, as we all know. Um, all of the all of the sand from Haysborough that's washed down there." Um, and there's a, there's an area kind of um, in between the two, which is which is to say the least dodgy, with some very very strange um, places where you can get massages and things like that. Apparently, and um, apparently. anyway, I said I said this is this is a, this is an area where there's lots of kind of um, poverty, Lil, and and really people very hard up. And uh, I said, and so people don't necessarily stick to the rules or go to school. Perhaps lots of the time, it really is quite a rough area. And it's not very far from the front. So people, you know, if you're wandering off in Yarmouth, you, you could go down the wrong street. Anyway, she's, ah, oh, it can't be as bad as that, Dad. And the next thing, this, these two lads, who must have been about 12 or 13, whizzed right in front of us round the corner on a, on a probably a 125 motorbike. No helmets, absolutely no road sense, just... You know, came round the corner. We we slammed on our brakes. They missed us, and then they tanked it down this long road, which, which was basically crisscrossed with um, you know crossroads, and people could could pull out easy. And I said, yeah, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. <laughs> they're they're uh, this is the middle. You know, this is the, this is a, a period where probably they've just come back from school on their motorbike, age twelve. Well, I mean, I, I've I'm, you know, I've never been out there anywhere near there, so it'll be an experience. Yeah, well, Gal- Galston is uh, trying is, to get yeah. We we'll was trying to get for the whole weekend, which I'm refusing to do, but I'll go for Saturday night only. Anyway, last night we, um, Tessa decided to do a sleep out for um, for the Benjamin Foundation, and her and her, lots of her girls from work actually survived the night, didn't they? You, they, you were threatening turning up. I, I was going to go and turn up, and then I decided that I couldn't be bothered and, no. uh, and let could, them, left them to it. Couldn't yeah. be couldn't be done with sleeping. I mean, I, I mean, that <laughs> Of course, you know, it sounds pretty bad, but they were actually also undercover. I did point that out to them. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, not to discount what they've done, because obviously it's a very good thing. But. The best, that they, they raised just <laughs> under £4,000. If anyone feels like making him get over that line, then please do. You know, it's um, Sandra Reynolds' uh, sleep out on their on their website. You'll get all the details of it. But they, they uh, yeah, you know, good... they're, they're, they're girly girls, most of them. And they, they were out there 
wrapped up in a very cold night. It rained. They had a, you know, it's pretty miserable stuff. Uh, they and they couldn't see themselves through by drinking alcohol or anything. They just there they were with 150 other people or 250. I can't remember actually. And I think they did really well. No, I think they did because the weather's been rubbish. I think it was like two degrees last night. So. Fair play. Yeah, fair play. Well yeah. done, Tess. Well done, Tess. Yeah, I did text you this morning. Right, okay, so this this weekend you're off in Galston. I haven't even got any footage to go and watch because, uh, you know, the Norwich game is off due to the England win. So, uh, do you know, what am I going to do? Um, Holt are playing at home. Are they? I think that's it. Is that, <laughs> me, is that me searching for a place to go and drink beer? Or is that like... Probably it'll be sponsoring, don't we? we do, yeah, do, we do sponsor yeah, them, So we yeah. probably go up there and go and say hello to Holt. Could that, do. That's about it. I think walks from away. Not a bad idea. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. Okay, everyone, have a great week. Hope you trade fantastically. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dew and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts. We can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at dewinggrain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by Tinshed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio. 